Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this special episode, we preview the 2022 University of Michigan Wolverines football season. Key departures and important returners projected starters and breakout players and of course predictions we've got everything i mean everything you need to know to get ready for the season coming up right now on wolverine confidential okay it is game week as we record this monday morning august 29th the wolverines will take the field on saturday september 3rd toe will meet leather at michigan stadium at noon eastern time as michigan welcomes colorado state i think it's important if we're going to know where we're going it's nowhere we came from. Uh, and let's look back to last season. Real quick recap here. 12-2. and two, Michigan loses to Michigan State, but finally beats Ohio State after a decade uh, of just heartbreak and, and a lot of lopsided defeats. Michigan flips the script on the Buckeyes at the big house. Fans rush the field. It's joyous for all involved in maize and blue. Uh, it leads to a Big Ten championship game appearance. Michigan smacks Iowa in that gets to its first ever college football playoff. And that's where the run ends. The magic runs out. Michigan uh, gets dominated by eventual national champion, Georgia. Jim Harbaugh then flirts with the NFL. Uh, He interviewed to be the new coach of the Minnesota Vikings, but it didn't work out. Uh, He's back. Um, Ohio State, nonetheless, is the favorite to reclaim the Big Ten, but Michigan will have a say in that. They are ranked eighth in the AP poll, sixth in the coaches poll, um, and and have a lot of talent to possibly win this thing again. But to do so, it will have to overcome some major personnel losses. That's where we'll start for this season. Ryan Zook, tell us about some of the key guys that won't be playing for Michigan this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the most notable losses are on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, no other team in the country is losing a, a duo that combined for 25 sacks last season. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson was was a freaking Heisman Trophy runner-up last year, and and David Ojabo was one of the biggest surprises in all of college football. So, I mean, as we all know, a, a great pass rush makes everyone on the defense better, and that certainly was the case last year. Uh, I was watching some highlights recently fr- from last season, and just like the motor on Hutchinson to make some of the plays he did was just incredible. And, and then Ojabo's ability not to just to get to the quarterback, but punch the ball out. I mean, that was game changing at, at key moments. So um, during to be tough to replace those two guys. Uh, I think the most underrated loss could potentially be Brad Hawkins. I mean, this guy started, it seems like, what, three, four years for, for Michigan? Always seemed like the steady pr- uh, presence in, in the secondary. 
Um, he, he didn't go drafted, was picked up, uh, had a couple um, free agents. He signed with a couple of free agent deals so far, but I thought he was a really solid college player. And then also defensively, Daxon Hill, a first-round pick, kind of a, the Swiss Army knife of, of Michigan's defense to, to line up carbon slot receivers, to line up in the secondary. I mean, if you put him at corner, he probably would have been really good too. Um, and then a veteran guy, Josh Ross, inside linebacker, cornerback Vincent Gray. Uh, and then Christopher Hinton, uh, the starting defensive tackle for a couple of years. Um, so those guys didn't get drafted, but they're, they're still – uh, were key parts of the defense last season that that really shined under uh, Mike McDonald. And then when you, if you want to go offensively, I mean, they basically have most of their key guys back, but the big ones are going to be Hassan Haskins, uh, absolute power running back. Um, and uh, he was the uh, a very big key to the offense last year, always churning out positive yards, not putting Michigan behind the, the, the sticks at all. They all. So, like, he's going to be tough to replace. And then you got two offensive linemen, too, Andrew Stuber, uh, and uh, uh, right tackle, and then Andrew Vistardis, the the center. So, yeah, defense, a lot of holes to fill. Offense, not as many. <laughs> but they have uh, they bring a lot back too. I mean that that's the thing. So there there are uh, candidates to replace these guys, um, either you know starters last year or you know guys that are just willing to that could be stepping into to bigger roles this year. So yeah, Aaron, I guess give us a you know a few guys on each side of the ball uh, to watch this year. Yeah, Zuku hit on it. I mean, they got a lot back on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, some key playmakers and guys that that you know accounted for a lot of production last year. We'll start the quarterback position, uh, obviously with Cade McNamara. Uh, he's going to get the start here week one. We'll see where it goes beyond that. Um, but he was, you know, by and far Michigan's best quarterback last year. You know, he completed almost sixty five percent of his throws, threw for twenty five hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over a lot. So you've got a lot of experience, a lot of in-game experience there. Now, the same token, JG, everyone wants to talk about J.J. McCarthy. and He didn't uh, play a ton last year, but when he did play, he made some incredible throws and some incredible plays. So I think combined from the quarterback position, I think Michigan's feeling as good as they ever have under Jim Harbaugh, and I think that's good news for there. Um, you mentioned the running back position. They do lose Hassan Haskins, but they bring back Blake Corum. And if folks remember last year, Coming out of the first three to four games, it was Quorum's name that was up there when, with the running back talk. Uh, you know, he, he had three straight 100-yard games, uh, 952 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns. And, and more importantly, perhaps on the team, he, he led the team in carries, 6.6 uh, .6 yards per carry average. Uh, so I think Michigan's going to count on him quite a bit, the running back spot. And he'll be, he'll be the, I think, the top uh, guy in terms of carries, at least early on this year. Receiver, Cornelius Johnson, Michigan's leading pass catcher last year, 40 catches, 627 receiving yards. Both were teams hot, team highs. Uh, he is back. He's going to be surrounded by several other returning players at receiver. Um, we'll see if he can get to those numbers again. Um, but if, if there's anything we, we've learned here, you know, if you play quite a bit one year, um, I think he's poised for, for a big year. Now, tight ends, Michigan gets, uh, they're both, they're two of their most productive tight ends back, Eric All, Luke Schoonmaker. All was second on the team in catches last year with 38, 437 receiving yards. Um, so from a passing game and protection perspective, he certainly uh, set up nicely. Offensive line, they lose a couple of guys, as Ryan mentioned, but they bring back some talent folks as well. Uh, Ryan Hayes at tackle, Zach Zinner at guard. Um, two kind of key pieces to Michigan's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line last year. Um, they're gonna be surrounded by some familiar faces, guys that have played a little bit. They got, um, you know, obviously coming in, uh, center coming in with a lot of experience, so some good good players there. And then defensively, don't bring a ton back, but the guys that do come back, I think 
could potentially be some some very good pieces. Uh, Mozzie Smith, a defensive tackle, they're counting on him quite a bit up front, especially over there in the middle. He's going to get the start at nose. And then Junior Colson, I think he's, for, for me at least, he's probably the most interesting guy to pay attention to on the defensive side this year. Um, he played as a true freshman last year, 61 tackles, two pass breakups, three quarterback hurries, and a, and a fumble recovery. All as a true freshman. Uh, so I think he's primed for a big year. I think Michigan's expecting a lot of things. And then the secondary, a lot of guys coming back, a lot of guys with experience. I'm really curious to see who kind of emerges in that group, the DJ Turners and the Jamon Greens and RJ Motens. There you have it as far as just laying out some of the key names. Now, let's dive into some of these these groups a little bit closer, and we'll start with quarterback. Over the weekend, Jim Marbaugh released a statement that started with this sentence. We have made a decision. Then there are only four more sentences in the rest of the statement, and you kind of realize, well, you actually haven't really made a decision. But <laughs> the decision, such as it is, is that Cade McNamara, the incumbent starter, will start the first game against Colorado State, and J.J. McCarthy will start the second game against Hawaii. And then, and I quote, after week two, we will make a decision going into week three on the starter and backup. Now, whether, you know, the other quarterback will play in those other games or if it's going to be, you know, kind of, you'll get the full game and it'll be treated as if, you know, it's it's a normal game and, you know, the backup only comes in at the very end, I don't. I don't know, because uh, last year you saw McCarthy, you know, in the first half of most most games. So uh, we'll, we'll see how they decide to do it. Um, I mean, the, the first question that jumps out for me, for you two guys is what happens? And this doesn't seem like a, a very far fetched scenario. They both play well. Michigan wins both games pretty handily. How do you think Jim Harbour is going to decide who starts week three? I, I could see Jim splitting time game three. I could see him returning to the rotation, so to speak, and going with with Cade to start game three. I could see the spilling beyond week three. And not just based on what Jim said this week with his statement, but based on what we've been hearing from players and coaches. It sounds like this this competition legitimately is close. And I think it was Mike Sandra still last week who said he wouldn't be surprised if this goes into like week of starters and determined to like week six. Now, he may be exaggerating a bit, but I think that just goes to show, I think, the approach with this thing. I think they're willing to give both guys an opportunity here. They're going to give both guys a chance to show what they got. And again, it's important to remember, as you pointed out, their, th- their three non-conference games, this, this opponents this year are very weak. Michigan should win all three in a blowout fashion. Uh, so I, it's going to be really fascinating to see how they grade these guys and how, what the you know the criteria is. Jim has, now Jim has said you know what he's looking for, and it's kind of all the you know, things you would expect. But uh, I, I don't know what to make of the situation. It's going to be fascinating, and I you know I think that the player that obviously plays the best. And I think looks most impressive is going to get the job. And it's hard to say if both play well. And again, as I said, we're going you look at your grading against inferior competition. So how do you appropriately do that? It's hard not to wonder how much the the trans, transfer portal is affecting the way Michigan is handling this because we've never seen Jim come out and do this before. But obviously, probably deep down, you you know that Michigan doesn't want to lose either of these guys this year because if one of them goes down, you would love to have the other guys step in and not miss a beat. So I think, I think they're trying on purpose, maybe to play the long game a little bit, uh, try and make both guys happy and and feel like they're competing and and still important to this team. So yeah, nothing, this has not surprised me one bit. And and I've teetered on both. I continue to go back and forth on (laughs) what decision might be the right one, because I mean, if you look at Cade, he, he doesn't, 
make many mistakes and he's not going to toss Michigan many games. He's going to be consistent. Uh, and with all the weapons around him, that's all you really need. But then going back to the defensive side of the ball, how good is this defense? Do you need the offense to store more points and, and be more flashy this year and store points in a hurry? Cause if you do, then maybe JJ's the right guy. So I think a lot will will hinge too on how this defense is doing. If if the defense shows some cracks and weaknesses early on, you might need to go with the guy that has the higher ceiling and, and to put points on the board in a hurry. Cade McNamara did not lose them any games last year. They lost to Michigan State. I mean, he threw for nearly 400 yards in that game. The that was defense, his best game. <laughs> the, yeah, the defense probably lost that game. He played great even down the stretch in that game. Uh, I mean, I know in the end it was an interception, but. Even that might might not really have been his fault. Um, and then the Georgia game, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, Tom Brady in his prime, uh, which is, I guess, <laughs> like right now, uh, would, would have won that game for them. So, like, you really can't say he lost him any games. Now, again, could McCarthy have, have, have won them those games? I mean, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so, like, at, at some point, it's like, what what more do you want? So, uh, it is it is an interesting you know situation they got playing out, but we're we're gonna do some predictions, and this is gonna be my first one. I'm gonna ask you guys, and I know Ryan said he was he was going back and forth. We'll we'll start, so we'll start with Aaron to give Ryan a few few maybe another minute here. End of the season, who is the team's leading passer? So most passing yards, who is it? I'm gonna take the easy way out and say the guy that ends up starting more games. <laughs> Now, the, 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 like you, it, that's the thing. Without knowing like how this is going to play out, I don't know what the, the the coaching staff is thinking. And I think I've said this in previous weeks. But the longer this quarterback battle plays out, to me, favors JJ McCarthy because uh, I, I think you're the coaching staff is scared to alienate Cade McNamara because we all know he's the incumbent. He was the guy last year. They won with him and everything else. Team but captain, team and team captain, which is another interesting wrinkle of all of this. Um, but. It, you know, the longer this goes, I, I think it's got to favor JJ. It's like the slow build to like let giving JJ the job without alienating Cade. Because, you know, if you do give JJ the job and he ends up being the guy, then and I don't blame Cade in this in this situation. He'd probably leave. He'd probably hit the portal and he'd go find somewhere else because he could probably play at most other schools in, in the FBS. I was a Cade guy before the season began. I figured he would get the job I, just be, based on what the results of last year and the fact that JJ didn't throw in the fall or the spring. I think that favored Cade. Um, I think JJ has certainly clearly proven himself in camp. The fact that this is a, a neck and neck and he's going to get the start week two. Um, I'm going to go with Cade, uh, but again, without knowing how the situation plays out, it's, it's tough to tell. And I know that's the, that's the whole point of the question is predicting, um, but I'll stick with the, the incumbent, the guy who's proven himself and has shown that he can lead Michigan to victory. So I'll roll with Cade. It was all, all that way to diving into JJ and how he has the advantage and then goes with Cade. But you know, I mean, it, it, Aaron was, uh, was not there this, uh, on what was that Friday or Thursday when, when Cade spoke to the media and he sure sounded like a, I mean, obviously, a lot of players talk with a lot of confidence, but he sounded like this was his team, this was his offense, and he's going to be the 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 guy that that leads this team this year. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Cade, and I'm I'm sure they're going to use JJ throughout the season, but I think it will probably be Cade with the most passing yards by the end of the year. Before we move on, I got to ask both of you this: How do you what do you think of the way Jim Harbaugh and the staff are handling are handling the situation? Do you like it? I mean, do you think it it could risk blowing up on their face? I mean, what, what would you do if you're in their situation? I like 
separate games because it kind of gives this is your game and you don't have to look over your shoulder and you can get in a rhythm and you're going to play most of the game as opposed to going back in and out. The transfer portal stuff that Ryan mentioned, and I've heard other people say this, I get it, but I don't know. You got to play to win, to, to do the best for that season at hand. And at this point, McCarthy's not going into the portal this year. I mean, he could, but it wouldn't do him much good. So he's going to make a decision after the season. And after the season, if he was just kind of, if he felt like he was just strung along again and he just played at times and didn't actually win the job, why would he think he would win it next year or the year after that? Because remember, McNamara and McCarthy are now like on the same trajectory as far as eligibility because <laughs> McNamara redshirted and then got the COVID year. He technically has two more years after this, just like JJ. So uh, he might say, "I'm well, I'm never going to overtake him. I'm always going to be in this like platoon fighting for the job. And it's just never not going to happen for me because this guy's too good to to lose the job um, that, you know, he might then decide to leave or not leave regardless. So I'm not sure how much that factors in. But as far as how he's decided to go about it this year, I think it makes sense. I don't know what he's going to do come week three. No, yeah, I, I, I think I would probably handle the situation in a similar manner because you want to give yourself as much time. You want them to continue to battle. And with the schedule, the way the schedule presents presents itself this year, you have a little bit of a leeway to give both guys an opportunity. So I I, I think it's it's the right play. And, and I mean, it could come back and, and, and burn them. But I, I think it's at this point before the season starts, it sounds like it's a, a smart move. Regardless of who's the quarterback, this offense should be really good, right? I mean, that that's the thought is that, you know, a lot of firepower uh, and Ronnie Bell coming back, I guess, kind of big picture and, and feel to dive into the different position groups as far as the offensive line, the, the receiver, you know, the pass catchers and the running backs. Uh, we, can, we can start with you, Aaron, kind of what what you make of this offense in general. What's what's their ceiling? Yeah, for, well, from a personnel standpoint, there's just not a lot of surprise. I mean, you got familiar faces back in the offensive line, as you mentioned. They're expected to be, you know, just as good as last year, maybe even better. You know, we spoke to John Jansen earlier this week, and we'll have a, him on the podcast later this week, a special tease. But he thinks his offensive line could be better than it was last year. Uh, Ryan Hayes at left tackle, Trevor Keegan at left guard. We know about Olu coming in at center, uh, Zach Sinner at right guard, and then Trent A. Jones, who's kind of the new the new face in the in the group. Uh, at, at right tackle. So they're loaded. They've, they think they've got depth. Carson Barnhart, who was in the mix there for that right tackle job, is considered the sixth starter across the line. So if any one of them goes down, except the center, he's going to fill in and play. Uh, in fact, I think Jim Harbaugh made a comment this week that uh, Carson's actually f- sitting in the front row with the, the starters and the offensive linemen just because they legitimately think of him as a starter. Uh, so they like the talent and depth there. They're going to be fine there. Tight end, we've talked about with Eric All, Luke Scoodmaker, Carter Seltzer, uh, you got Joe Honigford back. They're really deep and talented there as well. Uh, and they, the question here is, I guess, how much Michigan throws the ball? Because that was the talking point all last year. It seemed like they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And folks wanted to see them throw the ball more. And I, I think you're going to see that. Um, you know, you got Ronnie Bell back, who is their legitimate top deep threat ball or deep threat target a couple of years back. He was expected to be that way last year before he tore his ACL. So, there's pieces here, Michigan. If you look at the numbers, and I looked, I made sure to check this before we came on on the air here to record this. But Michigan last year, statistically, 24th ranked offense in the country in yards per game. They were number 16th in the country in in points per game. So you know they were they were really explosive last year. They put up a lot of points, scored a lot of points, and put up a lot of yards. I think they can do the same this year, but I think they're, they're going to incorporate the passing game more. It, it's set up for that, that that to happen. I think they've got more weapons, they got more reliability. It all just going to come down to the quarterback position. You know who ends up taking snaps and who can make those throws, and then that's a big 
criteria Jim Harbaugh's mentioned, who can make all the throws. He believes both of those guys can do it. Um, you know, we've seen the tape. Maybe one favors the other in terms of the deep ball. Nonetheless, I, I think they're going to throw the ball more this year. So are you saying that on third and three or, or fewer yards that Michigan might actually throw the ball a few times this year instead of just handing it all up the middle to, to Hassan Haskins? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think Jim I think Jim is going to lean on the, the run game as he always does. I mean, that's a, that's a typical point of his offense. I think they're going to start there, but I think you're going to see some more, some more uh, you know, shots down the field this year. Do they have the personnel to do that as far as those receivers? This is what's still concerns me about this team and the world this offense in particular going to the next level i think they have maybe an above average pass catcher in eric all maybe an above average as far as tight end maybe an above average you know running back as a pass catcher you know in, in donovan edwards in particular out of the backfield but from that true receiving group bringing ronnie bell back is huge but like again who's who's now the number two guy we're saying who's going to step up in bell's absence last year and what was the answer i mean i guess it was cornelius johnson the end, he leads the team, 40 catches, 627 yards, three touchdowns. Um, now, Michigan's offense was such that they really spread it around. You know, at least six guys had 20 catches, uh, 11 guys, or sorry, six guys had at least 20, 11 had at least 10, 10 different players caught touchdowns. Uh, you know, the leader was Johnson with three, and he shared that with several other guys. So, like, is this the year Andrew Anthony, you know, breaks out? Um, is it, I don't know, is it Cornelius Johnson finally doing it? Roman Wilson? I, I don't know. That's still my concern is that kind of game-breaking wide receiver, but maybe it's Bell, and then the other pieces can fall into place. I, I think you hit on it, and I, I think Bell being back is a key factor here because when remember, when he went down last year, and we were talking about it, I feel like for a few weeks, who's going to be the guy that would step up? And Cornelius numbers wise did it i mean he, he was the number one guy on the team and in, in receptions and everything else but you could tell if you go down the stat line cornelius had big games against the inferior competition and when they got into top tier big 10 play he struggled and why did he struggle because other teams were targeting him they're put, putting their best defensive back on him. they were doubling him at times and you didn't see that third guy that second guy i guess after ronnie went down come up now if ronnie can stay healthy and be a um, you know a competent pass catching target just like he was a couple of years ago it's going to open things up for Cornelius to be have an even bigger year. It may open things up for an, a, a, either a Roman Wilson or someone else to step up. So I think having that experienced, legit threat downfield who's played games and has put up the numbers is going to open things up for everything. And you mentioned the other options, Eric Hall and, and, and Donovan Edwards, who I think is, is going to be a key variable in the passing game too. Um, it's going to open up a lot of doors for this Michigan offense. Yeah, I mean, Cornelius Johnson has been a kind of a polarizing player since he's been here because you see flashes of being a number one receiver and a guy that could just be a reliable target. And, and then you see times where, like, he only caught 59% of his targets last year. There's times where it's like he's not even close to being open and it just you're just left wanting more. So this is a huge year for him. If he can build and, and become more reliable, I think he could be a, a viable number one threat, a deep threat that, that Michigan really, really needs. So we'll see. Ronnie Bell's return should help, but I mean, we haven't seen him on the field yet. It's hard, it's hard for us to see how healthy he is, what he looks like. Um, and, I mean, maybe Roman Wilson emerges as, as a guy that can – if it's not Cornelius Johnson, it's it's Roman Wilson who who emerges. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of rotation there again. I don't know if that's the right play because it might be tough, just like the the quarterbacks to get in a rhythm when you're changing in and out almost every other play. So I, I 
Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how the receivers and and the running backs are deployed this year. Yeah, last thing on the offense, the running backs. I mean, is is Corum like the McNamara to Edwards McCarthy as far as just, you know, the young we got the one that's a little younger, a little more of a higher profile recruit, had some more, maybe more game-breaking plays last year. You see a higher ceiling potentially, but he's got a guy in front of him who's who's really, really good and, and getting better too, I think. I we haven't seen the best of Blake Corum. Uh, it's an interesting kind of one-two punch because they're not like completely different styles. I don't think you can say it's that thunder and lightning. Um, but yeah, I guess it, especially it, it's not the quarterback position. You can use both guys uh, more so than you can at quarterback. I think this is overall a very good thing for Michigan. Um, but I'll pose the same question. Who who has the most rushing yards for, for Michigan at the end of the year? Well, if you listen to Jim Harbaugh, Diamond Edwards is primed to be the next star. Jim has talked like up about Donovan in the last few months, he thinks he could be a really good player down the road or even, even this year. Um, I, I think you're going to see you both players used quite a bit. Um, I'm really curious how the, 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 the makeup is, is in terms of the number of, um, you know, handoffs given. Um, I will say this looking at quorum. We saw him last week. He'd put on some weight. He almost likes He looks like a, almost a legit fullback. So I'm really curious if they're changing the way a little bit they utilize him in, in the run game. Because obviously, you know, last year we saw him outside the tackle a little bit more than Hassan. Um, so we'll see how their roles are deployed. I It would not shock me at all if Donovan Edwards has a breakout year and he rushes for like a thousand yards and ends up being Michigan's number one back by the end of the year. Um, he just got that build and that makeup about him. And I think he's got more um, ability than, than Blake, I think, overall, just because he can catch the ball in the backfield. And Blake can too, but I think Donovan maybe has a little bit more speed and, and playmaking burst. So I'm really curious how they're deployed. Uh, I think, as Ryan mentioned, they got two options there. I think the key for those two is staying healthy um, because once you, after those two, it's kind of there's a serious drop off just in terms of experience and, and talent. Um, but again, if, if Michigan goes th- throwing the ball a little bit more than they did last year, then they won't have to lean on the running backs as much. And that was the thing last year. They were leaning. And some of those games are leaning on Hassan Haskins. Um, Blake got hurt toward the end of the year and didn't play as much, but they leaned on, leaned on him early. Uh, so I, I think we have to lean on them less, which I think should help the running backs long term and should be able to get a little bit more out of them, I think, by the end of the year. Andrew, if you asked who who would have the most offensive yards between the two, I think that would be a little bit more of a, uh, of a challenging question because I think Donovan Edwards is going to rack up some receiving yards this year, too. But I think that as far as running the ball, they're going to give it to Blake a lot more. Uh, he'll, he's going to be the number one guy running the ball. Um, but I, I definitely think that, that Donovan's going to have a significant role in this offense, too, and he's definitely going to get his fair share of touches. I, I blew the question. What are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> let, let's move to the defense, and maybe, Ryan, I'll let you get first crack at this. Will there be like a considerable drop-off you know, after losing several first-round talent types, or is the whole greater than the sum of the parts, and Michigan is actually better on that side of the ball, or is it somewhere in between? What do you see for this Michigan defense? It's going to be hard for them to to be better. I mean, they're not going to be as talented. So, and they have a new another new defensive coordinator. Coordinator, even if the scheme doesn't change that much, it's still going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. They have three cakewalks to begin the year, so I'm sure there's we're going to see flashes early on. There's going to be guys that stand out for those first three games. But once they once they face a, a, a tough Maryland offense, that might be opening up some eyes. But I think it's going to be hard. It's hard to argue that they're going to be better than last year because they lost so much, and there is there is a lot of question marks still to be answered, especially at those edge rushing positions. I mean, Mike Morris and, and Taylor Upshaw have what combined one and a half sacks between them, and they've both been on campus for this is at least their fourth year here. So 
Um, they've they've showed some flashes throughout their careers, but to, to be in that featured role is completely different than than being a, a package type player. So I, I think they're going to take a step back, but I, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I think there's enough pieces that can help pick up the some of the weaknesses, but we'll see. Michigan's defense was successful last year for three reasons. One, they had really good pass rushers, edge rushers who got to the quarterback and got pressured, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, et cetera. They had a new-look defense that wasn't the same as what Don Brown was running, so it gave opposing teams fits. They didn't exactly know what they were going to face week in and week out. And they had a, and number three, they had a smart guy running the, running the defense, high IQ guy. Mike McDonald was able to adjust and change things on the fly and, and kind of react to what other teams were doing. All three of those areas now have, have changed in some way. They don't have the pass rushing, the, the pass rushing, the superstar like Aiden Hutchinson. Now, maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't. We don't know at this point. We don't really know yet about Jesse Minter, what we've seen just from an IQ perspective. We hear he's like we hear he's like Mike McDonald. He worked with the Ravens. He's got the experience, but we haven't necessarily seen it yet at the big level. And then, you know, the defense. It's we've been hearing this defense is year two of Mike McDonald's scheme. So it's gonna be a lot of what we saw last year. Um, but the, the problem there is opposing teams, especially in the Big Ten, have a year of tape on it. So they have an idea now what they're going up against. So I think that puts more pressure, A, on Minter to kind of you know dictate things and change things up on the fly. And then Michigan's got to find some pass rushing, press pass rushers. You mentioned them, Ryan. There's options there. There are guys there. They haven't played a ton. They haven't really done it. So I'm I'm tend to think they're they're going to take us uh, uh you know a, a slide back. It's probably not going to be you know top twenty in the country statistically like they were last year, and I and I think that's going to make it make some put more pressure on the offense. I was going to ask like what what number do you see them see them falling at uh, this year? Because yes, like you said, you know last year was it wasn't as high as actually we'd seen like at the at the top end of uh, you know. Don Brown's best defense. It was it was twenty overall in, in yards per game, but you know it was it was certainly good enough when it when it needed to be. So yeah, you see you see a slight slide there, maybe trying to stay in the top twenty five, top thirty, but um, yeah, not, I, they not probably eight. will stay in there because their schedule's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not going to give up many points to some of these these non conference teams, and even their Big Ten schedule is is in as tough. Uh, as it True. has been in the past. So I think they could be top 20 again, but I don't think that makes them a better defense if they are. Yeah. So, I mean, this time last year, we, I mean, people did know the name Hayden Hutchinson and David Ajabo even that, but they became way more household names, you know, halfway through the season, say, who are those candidates on this year's defense to be the guys that, you know, you might know about now, but now you're talking about as, you know, all big 10 potential. It's, it's a tough question to answer just because there aren't those defined guys that have shown they can necessarily do it year to year basis. But the one name that keeps blinking at me is Junior Colson, the linebacker. I, I think if there's anyone prime for a breakout year, it's him. He was able to be productive last year as a freshman. He started some games. He, he ended the year on, on a strong note. And he's in that unique linebacker spot who can kind of disrupt games and make it make a difference and, you know, be that guy statistically to put up numbers. That's a problem when you talk about, you know, production, everything else. Everyone tends to look at the stat line and they want to see these high sack numbers or whatever the case may be. And, and I think with him, you could probably get it. Uh, now, it's, it's going to matter. I think a lot of it's going to be defined on, A, how, they're, how he's deployed, B, how things are going defensively. And if they're going to get some push up front. 
Um, because if the guys up front aren't doing their job, it's going to be difficult for him to be doing his job too. So Junior Colson's my pick. I don't see it, but at the same token, I don't see a ton of superstars on this defense. I think for them to be successful, they're going to have to kind of play as an as 11-man unit. They're going to have to play together, not make many mistakes, and, and in a way kind of you know create some of their own luck. But again, if I had to pick a guy, it's Junior Colson. Uh, I'll, I'll answer the question by saying this. the the, the, the I really like Michigan's cornerbacks this year. I, I think – that Jermon Green is very underrated. I think DJ Turner has the potential to be uh, have build off his his breakout season last year. Uh, I think those two guys on the outside are could be uh, end up being the strength of this defense. I mean, I don't really I don't know what to expect out of Mike Sanders still until I see it. Like I mean, it's it's he's been raved about all camp, but I mean, it's tough. He's playing defense for the first time in and since high school, so it's going to be tough for him to adjust in that nickel role. But those, I think mission will be pretty good on the outside, um, covering some of these uh, other receivers this season. And the number one defense in the country last year was, as far as yards per game, was Wisconsin. Uh, in the end, they had three guys drafted, uh, none before the very three defensive players drafted, none before the very end of the third round. Okay, and then uh, they had another guy in the sixth and uh, then a seventh round pick on the defensive side. So you don't need those stars to be very good. And I think that's what, you know, that's what Aaron was getting at. And then, and Ryan to a certain extent too, like that they can, these replacements can kind of fill the gas without being, you know, they don't need anyone to try to be Aiden Hutchinson, be David Ajato, Ajabo, be Daxon Hill, because they probably don't have the guys to do it. I think it helps. I mean, I think you can, you can be less sound fundamentally. You can, you know, uh, sustain bigger plays, whatever, by, by having that talent. But, um, you know, maybe maybe they create a few more turnovers. They weren't exactly great in that respect last year. Um, you know, I could see I could see a, a pathway there. Okay, so before we get to you know the schedule and predictions, let's talk special teams. They're important. Michigan was very good last year in kind of all the phases, uh, and they should be again. We can talk you know the return units and coverage and all that, but let's start with the fact that Michigan is bringing back veteran kicker and punter ryan that has to be that's a major positive for michigan yeah i mean you gotta love when you can return that experience at those key positions and i, I forgot how good jake moody was last year i was just looking up the stats and he used 23 of 25 on field goals last year i mean that is this insane production for for that position and with a long of 52 so i mean he's very accurate within 40 yards but you feel like his leg uh got a little bit stronger last year, year too. So um, he's back and, and should be one of the best kickers in the country, I guess. You never know with kickers that could vary year by year, but he seems like a guy that doesn't fold under pressure and, and has been through uh, some big moments in his career. And then punter-wise, yeah, Brad Robbins has uh, punted a lot in his career and, and was an all-Big Ten honorable mention last season. So you got to like uh, those two positions for, for the Wolverines, and I'm sure they're feeling pretty comfortable after uh, a really strong special teams year in 2021. Yeah, not only that. I mean, Jim Jim Harbaugh was talking on the podcast last week. Um, you know, he was asked about special teams, and he, he mentioned both, obviously, but they've already figured out punt return and kickoff return, too. Um, A.J. Henning is going to do the punt returning at least temp right now. Um, I know Ronnie Bell was back there practicing. He said it said as much. Uh, just a few weeks ago when we talked to him, apparently they decided to go with Henning instead of Bell, which is probably probably the right move just to preserve Ronnie a little bit. You don't want to risk getting him injured again. Uh, and then they're going to go with Roman Wilson and kickoff return. Uh, so some familiar faces, got guys that have some speed, uh, some breakaway speed, 
in in the open field. So I mean, you got yeah, you got to feel good about special teams. G. Harbaugh's done a very good job with that group the last few years. Uh, he kind of really took them on last year that by himself, uh, and they were you know they were voted one of the better units in the country depending on what statistic you looked at. Um, but you know when you kick well and you return and you, you're able to return kicks, you're going to do okay. You know, the one thing about special teams is you, you don't really notice them until they screw up. And Michigan didn't really screw up much on special teams last year. So, you know, if they can do that again this year, you know, it's certainly going to help. Uh, are you a little bit surprised that I, I know Blake Horm's going to have a bigger role in the backfield this year, but are you surprised that he might not be uh, back there? I know he was their, their main kickoff return guy last season. Not really. I mean, when you look at it, he put on some weight, he put on 10 or 15 pounds. So he's a little bit bigger than he was. <laughs> Last year, so you wonder if that has has to do with any, you know, maybe it's hurt his speed a little bit. Although he has said he's faster, so we'll we'll see about that. Um, but I, I think too, it's a it's a risk, you know, it's a risk when you put guys back there. You risk getting injured. You saw what happened to Ronnie Bell. Now it's a fluke. I mean, it doesn't obviously doesn't always happen. Um, but when you, you you necessarily don't necessarily always want to put your biggest playmakers back there either. So now nah, it doesn't surprise me too much, uh, especially after we saw some of the weight that uh, that Blake put on. All right, so we've talked offense, defense, special teams. What does it all mean for the 2022 Michigan football season? Let's look into our crystal balls here. We've got the schedule, and it's weak. It's the easiest in the country, according to you know many national outlets that you know look at every single school's schedule and compare them uh, among powered conference teams. It's just it's just really bad. Uh, they got uh, three non-conference games. They're all at home. Colorado State and Hawaii to middling Mountain West teams, and then Connecticut, which went uh, one and eleven last year, hasn't won more than three games uh, since twenty fifteen, which is like three coaches ago. Uh, so there's uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, no, twenty fifteen was their last <laughs> season, more than three wins. So it's 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 bad. Um, and then you know they do have five uh, of their nine Big Ten games are at home. So all right. If you look at the non-conference, I think we're all in agreement uh, that they're going to be undefeated um, going into the Big Ten opener in Maryland at September on September 24th. Speak speak now if you are in disagreement of that one. You're not going to find much disagreement from me there. I, I will say the one test I thought maybe Michigan would have if there was a test of those three games would be Hawaii just because of their fast-paced, up-temple offense. They'd like to throw the ball and get down the field. But then I watched them the other day against Vanderbilt go up seven nothing and then they lose 63 to 10 to a Vanderbilt team that was one of the worst in FBS last year I, I don't think it's gonna be much of an issue no they'll be it, it it would not surprise me that if Michigan puts up 100 points or 150 points total between those three games they should easily hit 50 I think every game I mean all three of these schools have new head coaches because they fired their coach after last season I mean Hawaii did it partly just because of a kind of cultural thing uh more so maybe than their results on the field but still uh okay so they get maryland at home then they go to iowa for their first road game of the year october 1st go to indiana uh penn state comes to the big house on october 15th michigan after a bye michigan state visits on october 29th always nice to get michigan state after a bye uh then they go to rutgers they return home for two more games nebraska in Illinois before going to Ohio State to close the season on November 26th. Only two of those teams are currently ranked, Michigan State at 15, Ohio State at 2 in the preseason AP poll. Uh, you know what? We're going to start with me this time for how I see this season playing out. And right now, the point spread for every 
Michigan game on their schedule, Michigan would be favored in every single one except the game at Ohio State. But again, even if you give Michigan a 90% chance of winning all these games, which is too high, uh, it still spells you know a, a loss somewhere mathematically. And I think that is what's going to happen. I don't know which one. I think I'm leaning towards the, the, the op- road opener at Iowa um, or, or potentially even Michigan State getting them again. Penn State, you know, can't be really worse than last year if they're they get good quarterback play. Uh, and and you know, that those are really the three though because I just don't, I just don't see it happen with any of these other Big Ten teams besides Ohio State. So I think they go in Ohio State with one loss, but that means that they could still be playing for a Big Ten title, a chance for for a Big Ten East uh, crown uh, the the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, and I I think. I think so. That's what I said. I'm thinking here. I'm thinking ten and two, which is you know building, which is which is big. I mean, it's a step back from last year's for total losses in the regular season, but I think it proves there was no fluke, and Michigan will be in the conversation again for a Big Ten title and potential playoff berth. I agree. I guess maybe I should go next. I'm right within your line of thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go ten and two as well. I I have a hard time envisioning them going down to Columbus and winning that game. Um, that being said, I, it, sh- it should be competitive. I think Michigan should obviously be in the game and make it a close one. Um, I just I don't know how they they match up with Ohio State's offense. I mean, they they did last year. They had the answers and everything else, but this this Ohio State offense is just so loaded and so good that I think they got a year tape on Michigan's defense. I don't think this Michigan defense is going to be as good as it was last year, uh, and I think Ohio State's offense could be better. In fact, a lot better. Uh, so I'm, I have them as penciled in for a loss in Columbus. And then, yeah, I, it's hard for me to think that they run the table other than that and, and go start 11 or, you know, 11 and 0. It's just, I, I think they hic- have a hiccup somewhere. I mean, you saw it last year with Michigan State. Uh, that could be an option. Uh, it would not surprise me if they lost to Penn State at home. Uh, I'm not so much sold on them going to Iowa and losing, although I, I do think that's really going to be their first kind of team test. You know, on both sides of the ball, just because Iowa's defense is still going to be pretty good. Now they probably won't score many points, which I think it's obviously will help Michigan probably win the game. But the fact that they got to get to go on the road, it might be a night game in Iowa City. It's always a tough place to play. That that could be a you know a spot they uh they trip up. So I, I think they trip up somewhere. I have a hard time finding anywhere else. I mean, Indiana's not going to be very good. Maryland, I mean, they might put some points on the board, but like, I mean, I think Michigan should beat them, especially in Arbor. And then I heard re- some people talking about before the season, Nebraska could be a, an interesting game. And then they go out and lose to Northwestern. So now that's the old, same old Scott Frost uh, narrative going on already. So yeah, that one, that game looks very, even more winnable now as well. Yeah. And again, it's in Ann Arbor. Like that's the thing too. You got to remember like Michigan's got eight home games this year. Uh, and, and Jim Harbaugh historically has played, they play really well at home, especially against ranked opponents and good teams. So like those that Nebraska game, Illinois game, I don't, I don't, I don't see a scenario where they lose. I mean, that being said, maybe this defense is, isn't as good as some folks are making it out to be. Maybe they're not, they can't figure out offensively and they, they struggle in some of these games. I don't know, but um, my head tells me 10 and two, uh, their ceiling could be 11 and one. I just don't see them being Ohio state. And if they're off somewhere defensively, offensively, whatever the case may be, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they went, you know, they tripped up several times and went nine and three. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think, but I think ten and two is probably a good safe route. Yeah, I, I won't repeat too much of what you guys said, but yeah, I, I also have them going ten and two. I'm thinking the most likely slip up is, is probably Penn State. Penn State, I think it's prob uh, they're probably the most talented, even though they struggled last year. I think they 
having Sean Clifford back is huge for them. I think they're going to be looking to, to bounce back after a couple rocky seasons. Iowa, I do not trust their uh, their offense at all once again, um, especially they lost Tyler Goodson, which is going to be really tough to replace. Um, yeah, the environment's always difficult, but I, I, I don't know. I still don't uh, love the, the, the offense for the Hawkeyes. And then Michigan State, after what happened last year, I think Michigan is going to be ultra motivated to uh, to beat them. And, and there's no way you can lose three straight to to the Spartans if, if you're Jim Harbaugh and, and the Wolverines. So that's my my most likely loss on the schedule. But I mean, even even if they do go 11 and one, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on that, because I've seen a lot of people have Michigan and Ohio State in the playoff. Do you think they deserve? I know a lot depends on what happens elsewhere, but a spot in the playoff, if they go 11 and one with their schedule. And losing to Ohio State, be hard to see two teams that played each other both get in. Uh, but again, I guess it would be dependent on what you know other teams did. Because if yeah, that denied Michigan even a chance to go to the Big Ten championship. Right. You're saying, and then that's that's tough. Um, but I that I mean that's where then the schedule hurts you. I mean, overall, it probably helps you that you you know to try to win as many games as possible, or I guess the different way to put it is lose as few games as possible because that's even with this committee that's what it's been right it's been the four teams from the major conferences that have the fewest losses that that's what it's been they've gone down the line and then they start comparing teams if they you know have have multiple you know one loss teams but that's when michigan would be hurt you would think getting compared to some other school um you know because of their non-conference schedule yeah, you just basically took my point, Andrew. It, it would come down to like the strength of the Big Ten conference as a whole. And that's what they kind of look at. And and you know, if you think Michigan's gonna run the table or and, and lose to Ohio State at the end, and you've got a bunch of middling Big Ten teams that are maybe, you know, uh, you know, bowl eligible or you know, eight, nine wins, barely in the top twenty-five, it's not gonna help the situation. Um, but it's possible. I mean, given Michigan's track record, the brand. Everything else, um, you know, and they and they lose a close one, Ohio State again. Maybe it's another situation where it goes down the wire and it goes to overtime. They they give them some, uh, you know, some breathing room. I I don't know. The, the consensus nationally seems to be that Alabama and Ohio State are basically the one in two teams in the country, and there's a drop off after that. You could maybe put Georgia back and then back in there in the top group, but they've lost a lot of folks. So it'd be after like three or four, there's there's a serious drop off. So Michigan, I think they'd have to be dominant in all the other games. They'd have to play a close, you know, close game at Ohio State and lose close. Um, not impossible. I could certainly see it happening. Is it likely? I, I, I doubt it. You know, Michigan went 11 and one in the regular season last year, but they had three games that really went down to the wire in Nebraska, Michigan State, Penn State, and they, they did win two of those three plus a, a one score win over Rutgers. So you know, things went their way overall, uh, you know, to get to that spot. And then they earned it, of course, by by beating Ohio State. But, you know, it could just those things could just flip a little bit, you know, in the opposite direction. You, you lose two of those three and, you know, your record is worse, even if you didn't necessarily have a worse season. So I don't know. We'll see. Last year, if I recall, we were all on board with our, you know, kind of similar records, too. It was in the opposite direction. Michigan proved us wrong. Uh, I'm not sure they, they probably want to prove us all right this year more so than prove us wrong. Um, you know, maybe one, one more game or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, they can, they, we said this last year and it only became more true once, you know, we saw what kind of team Washington was after the first week. And that is that Michigan can really 
ease into the schedule, figure out what they have defensively, maybe figure out their quarterback situation, um, you know, with three cupcakes in the non-conference, um, a weaker uh, Big Ten team in Maryland at home, uh, you know, before you then start to, you know, get into the, the meat of the schedule uh, in October and beyond. No, what is surprising is that Vegas had Michigan's uh, win total at nine and a half, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty low um, for for a team like Michigan that usually get, generates a lot of national interest. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like ten and two isn't very bold, but um, yeah, it would be over the the win total in, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's the right number. I mean, what you'd set it right at ten. I, I mean, probably what, said it at ten. Yeah, but I mean, I, it's very rare for uh, for books to do that. But like, I don't. know. It's when your schedule is this easy, it's it's right, hard right. to, yeah. I mean, I know it was juiced a little bit. I think at like one thirty five, one forty, but still, I mean, it seems like a pretty safe bet um, that that Michigan won't lose more than two games in the regular season. But you never know. Yeah, it just goes to show that they think, at least the odds makers think that Michigan's either going to go nine and or ten and two or or nine and three, which which is a lower than maybe some the consensus has them. Um, but we'll see. I guess it's all going to come down to the strength of the Big Ten and whether. You know, schools like Michigan State and Penn State are, you know, at least Michigan State could be as good as they were last year and if Penn State can improve. So um, we, we, we shall uh, we shall see. That's why we do this. We get to figure it out. We all had the same teams in there as far as who the loss might come to, right? No one thinks Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana is going to be, you know, have a surprise year. I mean, someone is. Someone's going to have a surprise year, but maybe it's more a team in the West, right, that they don't play. Yeah, you know, I will. Brett Bielema's got, I think, a good start at Illinois. The problem is oh, that games God. in Ann Arbor, Rucker. It is the game is at Rutgers and Shiano. They they had some impressive wins last year, but mm-hmm. I don't think like, they just don't have the talent that I think hanging. Um, so I, and then at Indiana, and Indiana is supposed to be great. So I, I think if maybe if some of those like those bigger upper games like Penn State, Michigan State were on the road, I think I'd for sure be saying ten and two or nine and three. Um, but I mean, the fact that Michigan gets, gets those, you know, Penn, Penn state, Michigan state at home, um, I think bodes well for them. Like, like I said, they always play well at home, especially against the, the rivals and the big, the big matchups. And I have to guess one, at least one of those will probably be a night game, maybe both, um, which, you know, kind of ups the atmosphere and everything else. So, uh, 10 and two, I think is, is probably the right play over uh, nine and a half, as you, as you said. Yeah. They, you know, they avoid, Wisconsin, uh, you know, no Minnesota, no, no, even Northwestern, which does seem to kind of yo-yo, you know, between a real good season and a bad one. And they're coming off a bad one. So I could, you know, I would expect them to bounce back and they, you know, they got a nice win already in conference and in Ireland week zero. So, uh, yeah, I mean, even the big 10 schedule is not particularly tough though. You know, they've got one of the hardest regular season games of any team in the country. They have to go to Columbus. Um, but again, a long, long time between now and then, but we seem to always find a way to, to touch on the Buckeyes and pretty much every discussion between now and the, the actual game. All right. Any, any parting thoughts, any more, like, I don't know, specific prediction you want to throw out there for something you think that's going to happen beyond the, the wins and losses and, uh, you know, the quarterback we are, that we already touched on. I got nothing. <laughs> Man, any any you know we had high we had Aiden Hutchinson runner up for Heisman last year. You had you had McCarthy you know play but never take the job. You had no receiver really step up like we thought thought they would. I I, I don't know maybe maybe give me one give me one breakout player offense or defense you think really that hasn't been a household name yet that will be 
um, by by November. I got one on both sides of the ball. I think Donovan Edwards eventually has that breakout game, that breakout moment. I think he had it, kind of had it last year, but I, I do think he's going to string some stuff together and maybe eventually be the number one back by the end of the year. I know that might be a bold take, but the, just hearing Jim Harbaugh talk about him and his ability, I think they really like him behind the scenes. They, they, they've just got to find a, a kind of a regular role for him. And then a defense, Junior Colson. I, I think he's the guy to watch at linebacker this year. Um, he's going to kind of, I think he's going to have to take charge and, and kind of lead that group because there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of, a lot of guys talking. Uh, but we, I'm ready to see what they all can do. And I think Junior got his feet wet last year. He looks really good. He's, he's, you know, he's, 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 he looks like a linebacker, star linebacker in the Big Ten. I wouldn't surprise me at all if he was a breakout year this year. One guy that's kind of a, a little bit off the radar, but it, it will be his third year. He has a lot of experience, and now it seems like he's going to be uh, in, in a larger role this year is, is R.J. Moten. It seems like I've heard his name a lot throughout fall camp. Um, he's he's going to need to be a leader of the secondary now, and I mean he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school, um, showed some uh, good things in his first two years and entering year three now. I think uh, he could be a, a player to watch. Offensively, it's probably going to be there's going to be one receiver that has a really big year, and with Ronnie Bell back, I think maybe it could be Cornelius Johnson that finally becomes that deep ball threat, um, and it can really stretch opposing defenses and and become a, an elite or at least a top receiver in the conference this year. So those will be my two two guys. Real quick, just on Cornelius, I can tell you in talking to some scouting, some folks in the NFL scouting world, they they really like Cornelius Johnson. He has an ability to potentially be like a day two pick next year in the NFL draft. Uh, if he can get put it all together and have a big year, it, he, he's he's certainly primed for a, for a breakout season. You want a bold prediction? I'll give you Eric Alwyn some sort of or a big tight end award this year or something like that. I think I'll have a, a really strong year. I'll say uh, Andrew Anthony. Um, you know, we saw flashes of it. Why he wasn't exactly getting more playing time probably leads you to believe he just wasn't quite there. But I, I think I think he's got the tools to be the guy. Uh, you know, maybe possibly even the number two leading receiver behind Ronnie Bell this year. Last thing, a freshman. Give me, a, give me a, give me a freshman to watch. I mean, they they brought they, the recruiting class is, is decent as far as top end. They've got a they got a few guys that were you know pretty high up there in the rankings. Uh, any of them, you know, you expect to see maybe you know starting by midseason or or at least you know kind of gaining some some recognition in the conference. I got one, but you want to go first, Zoo? Yeah, I'll go first because I just wrote about him today, and he kind of is already in a starting role. I mean, it, it's in a base package, but uh, Mason Graham, defensive tackle, um, was an early enrollee. We heard a decent, uh, a decent amount about him during spring practice, and it seems like he, he's continued to ascend throughout fall camp. And as we know, with, with no Christopher Hinton, with no Donovan Jeter, there there needs to be guys to step up along the interior. And it seems like Mason Graham's going to get that chance uh, early on in the season. And if he can take control of it and and show he can compete at this level, he, hey, it looks like they, Michigan could have a, a, a good player on their hands for the next few years. That's a good spot just because there's just so much like they're lacking depth in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we all thought maybe Rayshon Benny was going to be that guy last year and it obviously it didn't happen, but like it's, it's loaded or there's just lack of depth there. So that's a good, that's a good choice. Um, I'll go with Will Johnson. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him at quarter. Um, he obviously is not going to start the, the beginning of the year. I think they're probably slowly bring him along. He'll probably appear on special teams and everything else. But I think by the middle of the year, toward the end of the year, he's going to be kind of, I think he'll be involved, at least in the rotation, if not getting a starting job. And it would not surprise me at all if he eventually bumped 
someone out, whether it's Mike Sandra still or DJ Turner or Jamon Green out of their job. They just like him a Whoa. lot. So he's, he's, I, I'm right. not saying which, it would be one of them. But I, I think I think his talent and athleticism is going to be too much for them to kind of keep him off the field, and you're going to kind of have to dump dump one of them. And look, look from the, they're probably going to rotate a bunch of guys in the backfield just like they did last year. That would probably be a pretty common theme. Um, but I, I fully expect Will Johnson to be part of that. Final prediction. Carter Selzer, the sheriff, after getting his first catch in the Big Ten championship game last year, this season he gets his first touchdown. Look out for him. Michigan is going to put up a lot of points this year. I think a lot of those drives that ended in field goals are going to end in six this season. And uh, The yeah, question the is what quarterback will throw it to him. It, yes, I mean, it definitely might be neither of the guys we've been talking a lot about. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't go that far down down the depth chart, but there there are some names there. But you know, if Michigan needs those guys in games, uh, then this season, yeah, it's probably taken uh, a turn. Our predictions are not going to be correct. Let's put it that way. Davis Warren to Carter Seltzer late in the game. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps our mega. 2022 Michigan football preview uh, and stay tuned for continuing coverage throughout the season on mlive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.